G'day and welcome to 442 FM podcasting from Kazan. We're in a cafe and we've got a full team of 442 people. We've got Ben Summerford, we've got Climate Teacher, we've got John Davidson, and we've got me, Kevin Ayers, so called editor. And we're back in the room. So, we've got one game out the way. How did we go? I thought we, it was a quite a good positive performance. Uh, I think the, the biggest killer is that we could have even got a point out of that game or even drawn. So, it's a game that will be remembered for a lot of controversies with that uh, Antoine Griezmann penalty. but And obviously, a fortuitous goal by, by Pogba, you know, centimetres away and... I think you said after the it game, it Kevin... Wasn't, it wasn't even centimetres. Yeah. It was actually literally, <laughs> literally millimetres. Yeah. It's like and something it, of a video game. Yeah, I mean, uh, when it actually happened, I genuinely didn't believe it had gone in. Uh, I thought that it had actually quite clearly cleared the line. Not cleared the line. Uh, I, I thought it went in live. Uh, but and yeah. I, remember, I do remember hearing you saying that's not in. So. Yeah. yeah, I was uh, wrong. I think you said after the game that technology had... Stuffed us up a bit. So. I, think, I think that's actually the the PG version of what I said. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> uh, my version was a bit more blunt, unfortunately. I think I think it was two words: honourable loss. <laughs> unfortunately, the Socceroos have got a history of <laughs> bit of intervention. Just a timely intervention by the friendly waitress. Um, yeah, honourable <laughs> loss. Yet another loss by Kevin Ayers. <laughs> involving yes, a Kevin's hat only this lost time. his hat, sunglasses. Twice. For our, view, yeah, uh, for our listeners, yeah. you can't see, but uh, Kevin had left his uh, hat inside the cafe. So it wasn't just quite quite as honourable as the rest. <laughs> but no, I think um, you can take a lot of pride from that performance, can't we? I mean, it was a defeat, but geez, the, the Socceroos, apart from that nervy first 12 minutes, they, um, they really took it to France. I walked away thinking... 2-1, not happy with that result. At the start of the day, I probably would have thought, that's a good result. Yeah, Goal difference still intact. I thought we'd lose. But having watched the game and seen how much we matched them, and we had our moments, and the, the goals they scored were so fortunate. They really were fortunate. Um, it's disappointing to, to not get a result at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the main controversy was the, the VAR, I think, essentially, to begin with. And... Um, as soon as that tackle went in, I knew from that moment on we were stuffed. Yeah. Because it, it, it was the sort of tackle that in any other circumstance, the ref would just have said, ah, just play on. It's too much, too borderline to tell. Mm. Um, but The, the big you, teams get those decisions as well. well this, yeah. this happens to us a lot. <laughs> Melbourne <these> victory. <laughs> but I still think that, you know, without VAR, they'd have just waved play on. Yeah. Mm. At least a good chance of that. And as soon as uh, we knew we had VAR there to revisit it, it, it probably wasn't going to work in our favour. Play did go on though, didn't it? It was a good minute yeah. or more, and then Griezmann yeah. got up and yeah. ran off. He wasn't protesting for a penalty or anything like that. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> this happened four years ago. It wouldn't have been a penalty, but yeah. unfortunately yeah. it was. And yeah, and that's you know, what history says. a huge debate. The angles that the uh, the VAR saw and yeah. looked at uh, were, you know, they, they were pretty convincing. But as soon as you looked at the other angles, you could see that uh, Very actually, contrasting. Yeah. Risen hadn't really done anything wrong. He got the ball first, and the, it was the the action following through afterwards. Uh, I, having reflected on it, I actually think it is a penalty. But did you see the overhead view? 
I've seen a few different angles. The overhead view it shows a completely different perspective. What does it show us? It shows he got the ball first. He, yeah, we know he got the ball first. And it was he, his trailing leg no, which but, took him but out. But Griezmann reacted to that and changed direction and effectively caught the trailing leg rather than Riston oh, catching yeah, okay. Griezmann. It's yeah, like the Sabruda film, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I have actually seen that comparison on Twitter. It is very much like from the left, from the back and to the left. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think that's, we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit later, but what Milo Yedek was saying uh, is basically we just have to move on. Like it's done and dusted, whether it was a penalty or not. That's what the players have to do, but media yeah. will talk about it as long as possible. <laughs> Had fans, we, yeah. We've been milking uh, the Grosso Lucas Neal <laughs> incident for 12 years. This is going to be another 12 years. This is, well, I think 50 years, 100 years, it'll be yep. look back. But um, look, uh, yeah, if we look to the Denmark game, if they play like that against Denmark, you'd think they'd beat Denmark. Um, no, Ben, you disagree? I, I'm still struggling to see where we're going to score goals. Yeah, we got a goal a through a penalty, point. which was an absolute disaster by Titi. I don't know what he was thinking. Brain explosion. Bra- yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm not confident we can score a goal in each game against Peru and Denmark to get the two wins we probably this, need at this, this point. This is the big issue. I mean, we just do not have that goal from open play mm. from anybody. Our two best chances were a penalty and then a free kick. So yeah. And how long, how long has that been an issue? What? Four years, yeah. five years. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not like it's yeah. not a new problem, but Edge Postecoglou, in all his wisdom, wasn't able to solve it. And I think you know it's something that I've noticed with every training session, the focus more than anything else has mm. been on shooting, scoring, scoring from open play. Uh, they were yeah. doing it again today. Uh, we're skipping ahead slightly on our agenda, <laughs> but we were going to talk about the training later on. But just quickly, um, the uh, the players from yesterday were given a like recovery session they disappeared fairly quickly after that uh, but everybody else uh, who didn't put in more than 80 minutes uh, got a very very intense uh, training session today and the entire focus was on aggressive offensive attacking and scoring uh, and it was really really intense you, you talk about those players is there anyone who might come into the 11 against Denmark or do we stick with the same runner? well I mean I think that, that was their opportunity the, the guys that were on the yeah. bench uh, yesterday their opportunity today to try and force their way into a consideration yeah I was, think Luongo might be the only one who's probably I, a solid chance I don't know I mean you would presume that that's going to be at the expense of Jednak uh, so Jednak acquitted himself very well yesterday my argument is that we need a more aggressive attacking mm. approach we needed Jednak for the steal against French mm. uh, against the French mm. um, but we need more in attack uh, for the other two games especially now we both need wins just a moment on the um, the atmosphere I mean obviously Ben was there as a fan the three of us were in the media but it was it was like a, a home game like it was in Sydney or Melbourne or Perth just phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I don't think uh, I wasn't obviously in Germany two thousand six, but I don't know if it was sort of similar on that. And then yet yeah, the next spoke about today about the impact it had on the team. Yeah, I was going to say just that anthem. I've never been to a sporting event in Australia. You teared up, didn't you? I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. I teared up. Yeah, we'll get some cries for the second game. Quite a bit after the anthem. Like I've never been to a World Cup before. Did you sing so. it? Did you sing the anthem? I did not. I was too emotional. <laughs> Not, I mean, just the, the general noise that we created was... Mm. It yeah. was emotional. The whole, the whole game, though, not yeah. just at the start. Yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, you know, we've been 
accused of going to sleep after the uh, the national anthem in the past. Socceroos fans, but there Definitely. was absolutely no question of that at all. Yeah, I was amongst the fans, and I, I honestly didn't hear the French fans. And I thought that might have just been me being amongst the Australian fans. But having talked to people who were in the media or other other sections of the ground, they, they felt the same way. So I actually had coffee with a French fan that I'd spoken to yesterday. Uh, and who was very confident of a 6 0 win mm. yesterday morning. One of many. Like, like the journalist who yeah. said 6 0 as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the number of people who said 6 French n- arrogant, that 6 0 to us. Unlike them. Yeah. <laughs> but he was saying that uh, one of the most disappointing things from his perspective was that lack of noise from the French fans. He said it was like being in an Australian home end. There, uh, there was a game. lot of them there, though, but they didn't seem to be consolidated like the Aussies and singing together like the Aussies. But, you know, pre-match, they were very loud. Yeah, you know, absolutely. In the streets, they were making as much That's noise as the Aussies outstanding costumes. Yeah, they yeah. were embracing it all. There yeah. were some outstanding costumes all over. I mean, I've got a great video with some... Uh, they dre- well, they had, there were some, some guys with the Aaron Moy uh, skin caps and the Moy budgie smugglers. There, there was the Arzani squad with yeah. the Aaron Moy budgie <laughs> smugglers. The Yedinak beards as well. Yep, they yeah, they were fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the amount of effort and the numbers, the sheer mm. numbers of Australian fans, it's just really outstanding. There's bars in town being overtaken by Aussies. We mm. we went out last night. Strip bars too. We, <laughs> that's a surprise. <laughs> we we tried to get a meal last night post match yeah. and we couldn't get anywhere. Uh, there was one place that was full of Aussies, and all they did was pizzas, and they told us it was going to be two hours to wait for a pizza because there was so many I, was, I think they were shipping in from Rome were they yeah, yeah. <laughs> by food <Yeah. laughs> um, but yeah the, the place was just overrun with Aussies last night it was fantastic I great to see I think they'll need to do that in Samara as well for that Denmark game I mean if, if it's that sort of atmosphere again for the Socceroos it's got to give them a huge lift I mean yep. you can talk about home grounds and whether it really plays a role but I, I think in a World Cup like this it definitely can yeah so just going back to the game, who was your best player, Ben? I would go with Aaron Moy. I thought he was actually the man of the match. I'm not quite sure how Griezmann got man of the match. He won a penalty, he converted a penalty, but didn't think he was outstanding beyond that. Moy just controlled the game when he had the ball, looked composed. Um, he, he looked like the best midfielder out there, and there was Kante and a whole bunch of French superstars out there. So Yeah, he was exceptional. Yeah. Very, very good. Clement, your best man? Uh, I'd say Trent Sainsbury. I was pretty impressed by him. Had a couple of chances as well. Getting a nosebleed up high, but I thought he was really solid in the back line. I thought so too. Really yeah. stood up. Uh, I thought Mark Milligan as well uh, was pretty good, and I agree 100% with Ben. When Antoine Griezmann walked in the press room, I'm like, what's he doing in here? Because well, I certainly wouldn't have said he was man of the match. No, that yeah. was a bizarre decision. Yeah. You do like Griezmann, don't you? You've <laughs> I got love a lot Griezmann. of love for him. <laughs> Arrogant <laughs> French, I think that's how you called him in the press conference. I, I think there was something else, but we, we, we won't swear on uh, on air. But um, <laughs> I agree with what Ben said. I think Aaron Boy, he was fantastic. Um, Bayage for me was really, really good, but I'd probably have to say Milligan, um, yeah. particularly not being a central defender by trade. I think uh, he was he was fantastic, very calm. I think my choice, I mean, I, I fully agree with everything everyone else has said but uh, Matty Ryan in those first oh, five yes. minutes made three saves could have been three nil after would have five minutes it would have been a different story it would have been Germany all over again it would have been spotted uh, if he hadn't stood up still made you know still uh, conceded two but neither were really his fault uh, so yeah Matty Ryan just stamped his authority right from the beginning and made sure that we yeah. had actually had something to play for for the rest of the game you mean at one point I remember the, there was a Pretty average back pass. Can't remember who it was from, and he 
was there to save the day, sweeping it away. And That's right. Like, yeah. yeah. He, he almost played himself into trouble a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. But luckily managed to... Uh, he's no carry. He's just so good. Like, they, they were pressing high and he was yeah. managing to find the right... Yeah. And he, he's just Fantastic. super calm. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Under immense pressure at times. Uh, even with the ball at his feet, he was still kept his head and never which yeah. it just for the sake of it. Uh, although I did notice a couple of times we did just take route one, clear the lines... Just get on with schoolboy football. Look, I don't care about that. To yeah. be honest, you know, mm. Andrew would have been doing his absolute nut if we'd done that. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's pragmatic. We're up against France. All we need to do is clear the lines, yeah. and we can sometimes you need five seconds just to relax and yeah. resettle exactly. and just yeah. get your formation back. Yeah, yeah. that's it precisely. Yeah. Let the ball go out. Let them have the throw in, and let's try for the second ball from that point onwards. Yeah. Makes so much more sense. Just on Ange doesn't look like it's quite working out, Yokohama. So, oh, it doesn't have all the answers as he'd like to think he does I think it was interesting um, I mean Clement you were in the, the press conference but it seemed like the French paid the Aussies a lot of respect I think even Pogba said it felt like a, a Socceroo game um, but yeah it seems like they, they gave the Aussies a fair bit of respect is that correct? Yeah oh, I'd say so I think Dejobs uh, the coach after his post-match press conference he said that wasn't as much. Obviously, it's pretty hard to battle. Get your question in there. I wanted to ask about what he thought about the Australian team. I just couldn't get in there. But what I found interesting, he said that they they were their own worst enemy. He didn't say it like that, but that was sort of the indication that I got, saying we were too slow. Our transition was poor. And ultimately, we gave it to Australia in terms of you know it favoured them. So no, I agree 100. percent Especially you know you brought up that that Larice press and what he said about the Australians that. Crazy. He was very complimentary. Yeah, he yeah, was. Very. Yeah. He kind of had that, to be, that otherwise was, that was it would have gone far. Uh, yeah. Even still, you know, you could tell that they had been talking about it and they'd definitely done their homework on the Australian side. And, yeah. Uh, to be fair, I think Mbappe during the week was... He didn't know too many Australian players when I was reading yeah. a few articles. I think I'm think i sure he's a massive A-League fan. I'm <laughs> sure he watches it every weekend. Yeah. Regardless of that, though, I mean, I think the, the overwhelming uh, yeah. view that everyone had of the French was soft. Soft ass. <laughs> yeah. Particularly Hernandez. Just <laughs> melted in oh, this Oh, my best sun. mate. I think Hernandez is still getting booed by Australian fans today whenever he just goes to the shop. I, I, I'm seriously concerned for his long-term future. I mean, a man who is that frail. He, he did seem to be affected by it. He can't have much light time left in this for this world. You know. Sounds like Dave Lewis. I'm not even sure he's... <laughs> well, they're that soft they brought on a player who had a, a bandage on his head Sorry, a little bit of a joke there from, uh, from Russia. But, yeah, I mean, we do expect... It's kind of ex- you expect that a little bit in the French, don't you? Yeah, you do. It, it did seem to be a bit extreme. Though. I mean, the slightest touch that were rolling on the ground uh, in a way that we haven't seen since so Asian qualifying, probably. <laughs> Australia's always had that sort of reputation, at least in the last 12 years, about being a very physical team. Even Griezmann, much more past 12 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And I think even the I think back to 2006. I think the Japanese were saying Australia were too over physical. So I think it's a bit of a it's a nice. Uh, good thing we have there I reckon um, well, so today we uh, had the press conference with uh, Jed Mack the Jedi the, the cancelled press conference that we were expecting to have <laughs> the day before the match uh, when he was mysteriously dropped at the last second and replaced by Matthew Leckie uh, at which point we all thought he was going to be dropped from the game and dropped from the captaincy and Trent Sainsbury was going to kick the armband uh, but no, he uh, was playing mind games with us and the French, and lo and behold, Mike Millet started. Uh, the overwhelming thing from him, though, was just one of complete disappointment, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, what I enjoyed 
as we saw after the game, the players got into a little bit of a huddle after. He didn't necessarily reveal specifically what he had said, but what the main gist of it was that you know we, we played really well out there, and if we play like this, you know we can get somewhere in this tournament. So what he said was that you're, you're allowed to feel disappointed, but keep your head held up high. Yeah, I think use that hurt for the next game, and that, that's what Martin Milligan said. That you know that a defeat like that hasn't hurt like that has for for some time. So it was, I guess, typical Milan that he was talking about moving on. You know, he can't be. Stuck on the disappointment of the VAR and the decision, but you know they have to look forward to the next game. And I think he spoke quite well, didn't he? I thought so. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, that was actually the, probably the best, most articulate, long, yeah. longest answers I've heard him give. To be honest, uh, they've all done very well, pretty much in the, the, the press conferences this year. Millet's more of a sort of do it on the park, action speak louder than words sort Normally. of individual, yeah. but um, you know he, he, he was fantastic today, fielded a lot of questions from you know Danish media French media, and obviously the locals um, A lot of repeat questions as well Yes, in, in fairly good spirits <laughs> yeah. uh, which, you know, is frustrating for journalists, never mind the the, uh, the players. <laughs> but that's, that's clearly the, the right message, isn't it? Because there was that yeah. many positives from the game, yeah. so um, I saw him after the second goal grab the ball and and run up to the halfway line to kind of say, let's keep going, boys, we can get a 2-2 equaliser. So um, there's that many positives to take out of the game. That's our hardest game. So, you know, we're every chance, if they believe. Yeah, that reaction, I think, after after we scored, uh, after our penalty, they really sort of went up a notch. It looked like we were going to be the next team to score, actually. And, yeah, so that, that was a great mindset. I think Ben Marwick's done a great job in building the confidence, let alone making them more organised and compact. But... I think under previous the previous manager, they you know could have been a four one or a, you know a five two. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I never thought we were out of it at all until the second goal. After yeah. the second goal, I did sense the heads went down. It's like mm. every, the Kicking gods the are teeth. against us yeah. yet again. Yeah. You know, uh, we keep doing so well in so many different ways, but just sometimes the gods go against us at the World Cup. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the, the mentality is strong. Um, they were really lifted by the Socceroos uh, fans in the stands. Uh, that was one of the uh, big messages he gave us. Oh, that was That's probably one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen in the Socceroos game. You know, up there with with Uruguay in 2005 that I've been to live, it was, it was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, it was. Again, when I, what I was thinking when it was one all, I was actually thinking the French are actually just hanging on here. What Millet did say in his press con- press conference is that um, that well, it's escapes me now. That oh yeah, they were running out of ideas. So I mean, it definitely felt like that. And uh, again, what you said, yeah, it yeah. felt like it knocked the stuffing out of him when that four children's goal went in. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Bert had actually said, spelt out his game plan from day one that you know it was survived the first 15, 20 minutes. And then hopefully the, the French mentality will start to break down and we'll see opportunities uh, and they'll have the chance to counter. And to be honest, that's pretty much the way yeah. it worked. You know, the, the French, exactly. French mentality did break, mm. especially when <laughs> after they, they gave away the penalty, so quickly yeah. after our penalty, uh, we really seemed to be in the, the box seat from about 15 minutes onwards. We had every opportunity to, to take that game. And I think that is why it's still so disappointing that you know they came away empty-handed. Mm. Stuff for them. Um, at training today, um, there was uh, two separate training sessions effectively taking place. There was the uh, recovery session for the 
players who played for the majority of the game uh, and there was uh, a second training session which was as said before much more intense for those still trying to fight their way into the first 11 uh, but there were actually two noticeable uh, exceptions to both training sessions that was uh, Josh Rizzo and Tommy Urich uh, any ideas on why they might have missed it? Well, Risden definitely. I mean, yeah. he, he got a massive workout that game, and he looked to be spent for the last fifteen twenty minutes. I mean, <laughs> he think was about down. the intensity that he plays at club football, and then the step up in in pace and speed and trend. You know. He had that month off, didn't he? he between the Alex yep. season and this, so he's playing catch up anyway. He looked gassed at he times. Did. He, he did. did. Yeah, he yeah. just had nothing left in the tank for about seventy five minutes and onwards. Is it? That's a bit of a worry because you, obviously. We were chasing the game and those substitutions were reflected that, but he probably needed to be replaced late in the game. There was no subs left. Will he be right for Denmark is a, is a bit of a worry because there isn't, isn't really a, enough a fullback of the same sort of attacking mindset. Yeah, um, I'd say Milos Dogenic at uh, a training today looked a lot happier. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's just because he's got a sniff of a, a start, but uh, yeah. I, Having said that, though, I thought Risen, for the most part, played very well. Yeah. Um, I've seen him outclassed in previous games. I don't think he was outclassed. No, no, um, he held his own. I, I just think he, he ran out of juice uh, towards the end. Uh, Tommy Urich, I was really surprised to see really struggling uh, in the sidelines. He actually, he was literally standing in the shadows off the stand, once trying to avoid the cameras, mm. and two, just to uh, almost have the wall hold him, hold him up. He, he looks really spent for some reason. Yeah, in the mix out he seemed, he seemed okay. He was in pretty <coughs> decent enough spirits considering the defeat. Yeah. Um, so whether it's just a, a knock that he's woken up with or, or what, but obviously he's had issues this season and, and coming into the, um, the World Cup, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when he first came on, I think Urich was what we needed at the time. He was really running around like a blue arse fly, you know, really harassing the uh, the French defence. Um, but that kind of eased up fairly quickly, to be honest. We only got about five minutes of that from him. And, you know, it's obviously it's exhausting work. Mm. Uh, but we needed more of that, I think. He, he's another one who doesn't have the conditioning, just like Risen. He missed the last six weeks of the yeah. Swiss season, so yeah. also playing catch-up. And it, it, That role he played probably, was it 20 minutes off the bench? Yeah. About that? Cahill could play that role. See, I, but he's I, also I, got the conditioning from uh, match fitness. Massive issue with it. <laughs> yeah. so it's been a recurring issue with the I team. Think, I think you're right. That could be a real option, even, yeah. even to start, because if they need to be more offensive, you maybe give him 50 minutes from the end. I don't, I don't know, but... His legacy needs to be written still as well. Hashtag legacy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really was actually very surprised that Urich was a man that uh, a Bert turned to for that role off the bench. It's it screaming out for Cato. It really was. And the fact that he didn't play him in that game, when are you going to play him? Mm. You, can, well, you can read into a number of ways, can't you? you know, Saving he, him for Denmark and Peru, or he's, maybe, just, or he's just that just low down got, on the packing order. Just got no yeah. faith in him anymore. Yeah. He's, he's here for the mental fortitude and strength and positivity he brings. <laughs> and, and Jamie Legacy. Yeah. Jamie McLaren wasn't even in the in the reckoning, so you wonder where you know where he sits among those. Uh, See, the, you know, that was the thing, though. I mean, the role that Urich came on to play—that running, harassing—it's not his uh, forte. That's not Urich's uh, forte. He's even admitted that it's Jamie McLaren's forte. That's yeah. what yeah. he does brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I, I was very surprised Just, by that. I would I would say the game's coming to an end and sorry Clement um, 
you get to pump some long balls into the box, and, and there's a, that's probably why Juric is on it as opposed to McLaren, who's not really known for his heading prowess. No. But having said that, you know, I don't think we've put a single cross into no, the box, was, did we? No, in injury time, I was begging just get <laughs> in the mixer and watch go in the mixer. Yeah, which is a very uh, a big difference from the, the age era, when often that was, particularly when a goal was needed, that was the strategy. Absolutely, yeah. Just back on Cahill, I do remember talking in our little staff chat about just questioning. I, I remember just questioning, is he fit enough? for this World Cup squad. I do actually remember Ben saying, hypothetically, you know, it's, it's a drawn game with 20 minutes to go against France. You'd want Cahill to be an option, and it just didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't I, it? I genuinely was surprised we went for Juric over uh, Cahill. Yeah. Um, just going back to training again, um, <laughs> I know <laughs> it's a tangent. recurring theme, and I've said this many times, but Arzani is such a puppy dog in that squad. Yeah. Everybody was playing with Arzani like a puppy dog today. He was wrestling with Brad Jones. He was playing keepy-uppy with uh, Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill was just giving him pelters for not being able to play with his left foot. They were uh, striking off each other, rolling around in the grass. He's a puppy dog. He's a, he's a beagle puppy dog. In the in the mix zone, he, he was great. He was so so respectful, so over respectful. You could just see it was there's that there's that innocence and nativity yeah. about it, which yeah. which is great. While they were actually uh, talking about that competitive um, a shooting session that we have, uh, having Arzani and Cahill were actually in opposite teams at one stage, and they were wrestling for a ball towards the end, and Cahill gave him a proper slap in the face. Uh, and they both ended up on the ground. Kale took a dive in the box to try and get a penalty out of it, having slapped Arzani in the face. And Arzani got up and he, he, was, he was like a puppy dog that had been slapped in the nose, didn't quite know what to make. Should I be angry about this? Should I be, what, what do I do here? Kale was trying to laugh it off, but it was a proper slap poke in the face. Yeah. There'll be some pictures up on the uh, the website of it later oh, on. Great. So, but it great. sounds like morale's, morale's good in the camp from, from what you've observed today. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, there, there didn't seem to be any flare-ups or bust-ups, apart from the uh, the brief one with Arzani and Cahill. And they got over that. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, Cahill did well to kind of just manage the situation, sure. get everybody back on side again, uh, which is what he's very good at. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't see... It is a very united-looking yes. squad. Yeah. And we've got through injury-free as well, so... Well, yeah, hopefully, depending on what's happening with Eurich uh, and Wisdom. Yeah. There's, there's a fair break between the games, at least, so that, you know, sure. isn't some time to recover if it's, it's true. not too serious. It is actually quite, it's what, five days between games? Yeah. Which seems like quite a lot. It usually seems to be four, doesn't it? I thought so yeah. as well, yeah. Three or four. Uh, so yeah there's plenty of recovery time and not a lot of travel for the next one either which is also good it's a five hour coach trip or might, uh, less than one an hour, hour yeah. an hour, an hour 15 flight maybe yeah. yeah so yeah you've done very well so far in terms of uh, travel you brought up J-Mac before will we be happy with him starting against Denmark I reckon again Johnny's shaking his head I would <laughs> And this Kevin is, loves J-Mac I, I am a big J-Mac fan and I really think we need to give him a shot we've given the boot a shot he never had a he never came close to scoring against uh, France yeah well the service you've got to take that into account as well it, the service is what the service is you know yeah. J-Mac's got to compete with that or cope with again, that same problem Luongo did say during the week that you know we do need to take it's such a cliche we do need to take our chances and he was confident that 
it would make some chances and obviously didn't take him. So yeah, I mean the boot scored one and four. Urich yeah. averages one and four. Lecky averages one and five, one and six. Mm. Cruz is one and eight, I think. Uh, when he's not Je- on the ground, Jedinak is our second best scorer on average. Yeah, in the squad. Yeah, you you must have ESP because ESP because that was going to be my exact point. You look at all their records in club football as well as international football. McLaren's the only one who scores averages every second game. You know, even obviously it's an A league, mostly A league record, but he does score where he's been playing. Well, none of the other players have have that sort of. Yeah. So, so Johnny, why don't you want him in there? I just don't think he would be ready at this point in his career, but. Look, if if Urich is injured, yeah, um, I think it's. I think he's more agile than Urich. Doesn't have that agility. Oh yeah, he's definitely more mobile and agile yeah. and quicker. My but sim- I don't think technically he's as good as Urich. And I'd arguably maybe even put two up front and have a, a Urich or someone off Ooh, him. My, my, my simple point is. None of our other strikers are scoring. That's true. Yeah. So we're not going to actually lose anything by putting McLaren in. Mm. Yeah. That's the whole point. You know, the boot's not scoring. Urich isn't scoring. Fuck it. Try somebody else. Yeah. I didn't say what you think you may have just said. That was just the wind. That was a cotton, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the boot did score against the Chicks and was scoring for fun at Newcastle. So oh, he, uh, if you're ever going to play him, now's the time. Yeah, but yeah. how many did he score in the season, the boot? Nine or ten? Yeah. McLaren, Adam, McLaren Adam scored twice that. Well. He scored yeah. seven. McLaren scored twice that. No, he did in the A League. He did. Oh, that was a year ago. Yeah, and he scored twice that the year before that <laughs> in the A League. The man's sure. a natural born goal scorer. He's a poacher. He's yeah. a natural born goal scorer. He knows where the net is. He knows how to find the back of the net. The English made the same mistake with Michael Owen. They refused to play him. They didn't think he was the right man for the job, and he was a legendary goal scorer. And they've eventually admitted the mistake. And, uh, so you'd start him against Denmark? McLaren? Yeah, I would, because none of the other strikers are scoring anyway. Why not? Because he's not ready? We've got nothing to lose. Okay. The other ones who are ready aren't scoring. It's pointless even thinking about it. We need to try something new. We're not scoring from open play. He might. He might not. But really, the fact that, he, the fact that if he doesn't, we wouldn't have scored anyway. Don't mind this uh, two strikers up front. It's a good idea. I wouldn't mind seeing the boot and what clouds. Maybe like four in defence and four in midfield. <laughs> yeah. Two up Not, front. Yeah, four, four, two. Oh, that's a great <laughs> idea. Revolutionary discussion here in Kazan from uh, four, four, two. <laughs> um, we are getting swamped by cotton at the moment. There's. Uh, some strange Russian thing that we're all it's, con- it's cotton not fallout right uh, uh, mm, actually maybe. Okay. maybe maybe they're just trying to put a gloss on things uh, yeah it's you probably you might even have seen it at the match last night it was floating around yeah. at the stadium can't escape it it's actually making a rug we can we're right next to uh, <laughs> we're right next to some parkland and I can actually see look it's like, it looks like snow. It looks like it's snow. Not, it's not a snow crossed with like wool or yeah. something. It's like yeah. lots and lots of big dandelion uh, <laughs> things, and it's going in our drinks and everything. Um, it's getting into in, indoors and everything. It's, it's a real problem. We've got three days now until the Denmark game. I think is that right? Three days. Yeah, until Denmark. I'm not sure what it's, day it is. Uh, Sunday. The game's yes. on Thursday. Yeah. So we have four. So four, oh, yes. three training days, three, three training more training days. days. That's where I was trying to get to. Um, Seven days in a week, I think, as you told me before. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. 
There we go. Um, so yes, Denmark on Thursday. Who's uh, what's your predictions at this stage? I'm gonna go. My heart say two one Australia. I, I'm, I'm going to be positive as well and say one nil to Australia. Yeah, I can see us getting a result. I think we have been pretty spirited so far. Uh, I worry we're going to be able to score enough goals to get a win, but I'll go 1-1. One, one. See, I'm with you. I think 1-1. One, one. Mark says 2-1, but I think realistically probably 1-1. One, one. It's about the best we can hope for. And all hope's not lost if we do that, though, I don't think. If uh, yeah. we just need to get a decent win against Peru. And we need France to give Denmark a bit of a pasty. Even if they win by two, France, but we're in. I think would be enough, yeah. Yeah, that's the good news from yesterday. We yeah. haven't lost too much goal difference, and that's we scored. Right. And so. I think you know um, France are only going to get better as the competition goes on. You assume so, yeah. Uh, they're going to be playing more as a unit, and I think we'll see a lot more goals from them. They've got you know a really really aggressive side. Mm. You can't imagine that they're just going to go with two two one type victories or one nil type victories for the rest of the competition. There's going to be some big smashes going on in there uh, if they can get everyone playing up to speed. Yeah, I think so. Uh, which can only play to our, into our hands, I would hope. I think just back on Sainsbury's performance against France, I mean, he could really be uh, he could get a nice gig in Europe if he keeps his form up. And, and again, Well, he's playing in Europe, but yeah. I yeah, I mean, mean, a better club than <laughs> Grasshopper yeah, yeah, in think, the Swiss League. I think, I think yeah. in Germany or Italy, they'll be you know aware of him, and I think the, the point of the Swiss League is it's a development league for those bigger competitions, and he yeah. hasn't put a foot wrong so far. Yeah. And good good test against Ericsson as well. It is the beauty of the World Cup, you know, it's a perfect shot window for every single yeah. player and uh, you know it's just an added extra bit of pressure on them. Uh, that not only is it the you know, the national fate on their shoulders, it's their own potential career. But as as Soconomics says, you never buy a player on the back of a tournament performance. And Wenger used to do that all the time and uh, failed badly, so there you go. Yeah, it's true. Just on Sainsbury, he does have, I think, six months left on his Chinese contract. Oh, yeah, I believe that's I think right. That's right, yeah. so he's probably going to be looking for a move. So. Yeah, I think that's, having been in touch with his agent, I think that's the uh, that's definitely the aim. And the World yep. Cup puts him in the shot window, doesn't it? Yep. He's got his money, time to move on. <laughs> Talking of which, we've got a bill to pay, and it's time for us to move on. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure. You're off to uh, Samara. Tuesday? On Tuesday, I believe. We are going down, down, down on Thursday morning. And uh, Clement, you're going down on Wednesday, is that right? Yeah, Wednesday Wednesday afternoon, I think. Excellent. Pinching a ride with uh, a couple of the other journos, so it should be exciting. Fantastic. Deserted well, us. We, shall, uh, we may have another podcast before the game itself, if we can find some more special guests. Uh, and feeling that, we'll be back after the match with another one for you. Thanks for listening, and uh, we've been 442 FM in Kazan. Cheers.